He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to the Anthony Irwin Show. I am Anthony Irwin, joined today by somebody who I really miss podcasting with. We used to do like a weekly show. We used to get together and we would play stupid games and piss off David with our stupid games. Adam Mattis of DNVR, of an entire network now, PHNX, CH, is it Geo? What would you guess it was for Chicago? What would you guess? Well, I, I didn't know if it was C or G. Could have been Chico. Yes, yeah, Chico. Yeah. C-H-G-O. But uh, really proud of everything that you guys have built over there. I remember I randomly ran into uh, Harrison in Vegas when he and I, I was back there for March Madness, ran into him, told him, I am incredibly proud of all of the great work that you guys are doing across that network. Uh, and can, can and I'm. Do, can you do a reenactment of this? Like, I want to know how drunk you were. Were you doing the Harrison? No, it was actually I'm fairly so early. Happy. No, no, no. It was, it was. You can ask him. You can ask him. It was fairly early in the night. I had just right. gotten to the bar, and I was like, "Hold on, is that?" I think he was on his bachelor party. Is my guess. Okay. And uh, and so I was like, "Are you? Holy shit, Harrison!" He goes, "Oh my god, Anthony, why are you here?" No, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a nightmare. He's like, "Oh my god, ah, damn it! It's it's Vegas. Are you just always here?" Just um, lurking, <laughs> ready to talk Lakers. Yeah. So we. Uh, so so today, uh, this is technically, obviously, it's on a Lakers feed, and we're going to talk about Lakers. But I want to talk about the Nuggets. I actually want to talk uh, talk a little bit about Tim Connolly too. I forgot to mention that to you uh, as okay. we were getting ready to record. Sure. And and then um, specifically as it pertains to the Lakers, it, you know, everybody seems to be once again sleeping on the Nuggets. Mm. And and I want to know from your perspective, which version of the Lakers would would make you more nervous as it seems like they could face each other in the first round if maybe. Um, so we're going to we're going to talk plenty about that. But, yeah, I want to start actually now that I kind of mentioned it. I want to start with Tim Connolly because I think this subject frames the rest of our conversation pretty well so he leaves denver goes to minnesota and immediately fucks up the market for everybody (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and i what i'm curious about and i find myself thinking about way too often is do you think part of the arithmetic to that trade was, yeah, I'm going to make it really difficult for everybody else to land a superstar. Do you think that factored in at all? <laughs> That's some 6D chess right there, man. It like, is, I right? Think, <laughs> I don't think, like, what if we deplete all of our assets, but it'll yeah. screw up the market for a short period of time. Well, think about it, though. Like, it, 
this could stop like it seems to have stopped kevin durant from going to phoenix that makes maybe, maybe a little bit i say the one team that it it affects the most is utah because i do think that they want to trade donovan mitchell but the idea of trading him for less than gobert <laughs> like i think that's the whole there's packages i'm sure out there and they're like yeah it's a great deal we got to take it we can't we got to give some distance because yeah. time go <laughs> we can't have everybody looking at this and be like seven first for rudy only four for donovan <laughs> so, that's the only one i think all these other circumstances or whatever but the, you you're if you're asking sincerely which i'm not sure no if you are, i I, I really kind of sort of am i really kind of talk to my timberwolves friends um, uh-huh. and people in the know they seem to think that this is a ownership move more yeah. than it is a tim conley move that maybe you know he on board with it or this or that but that it was this happens all the time all-time new owner mark glory really wanting to make a splash alex rodriguez really want to make a splash put our stamp we want to put our stamp on things and there's <laughs> rudy gobert rudy, yeah rudy gobert is a hilarious <laughs> stamp um what i will say though with tim conley the thing that made him a good gm for the nuggets is rebuilt i met him when he first started this gig or early on talking to him about like his plan he's like oh i'm gonna get fired soon <laughs> like his perspective on this is no gm lasts forever or almost none yeah. um and so i'm not gonna just do the thing where we play it safe like i'm gonna i'm gonna take big swings and if they hit sweet i'll get to stay around longer and i do that part of me does think that he approaches the job that way of you can play it safe you're almost certainly gonna get fired if you play it risky you're probably gonna get fired but you might hit it big so i think yeah. he's a guy that's like we're all losers eventually. You might as well swing for the home run. He's he's a Vegas gambler. Like you don't you don't make money in Vegas just playing it safe. You hope that you play enough risky bets and you hit off hit hit a couple of them before you totally. have to get up out of there. Exactly. Ex- that's a ex- perfect metaphor. Uh, speaking of Vegas, you you went. Did yeah. you did you enjoy it? Did you did you get to watch? You know, was anybody really surprised you out there? I, Paolo, I, I was I wasn't able to make it. Paolo was just shocking how good he looked and how crisp yeah. and clean he looked i to be honest with you man i didn't watch and i and this is how i summer league for me is like a work vacation like yeah. i'm not there to watch too much basketball hey, man, don't hey, jan if you're listening i work constantly <laughs> so that one like to be honest with you like who stood out there weren't really that many people that i i really watched that closely to be able to say this or that so um so i don't know but vegas as you know is always a good time so it's always it's become more and more of an event, and I feel like it lost steam during the pandemic a little bit, obviously for good reason. Yeah, but I feel like this year was a rebirth of summer league of sorts. It felt good. Yeah, I was disappointed I wasn't able to make it next year for sure. Um, another quick thing on on Connolly and and the Wolves and all of this stuff. So with Gobert specifically, right? I I would understand like what well, if you're going to make the move, why go with Gobert? instead of Mitchell like if you're if you're just swinging for the fences well, there like did, why not why not go with the, the the bigger swing I mean I think to be honest there is a method to this madness and that is that Carl Anthony Towns is a phenomenal player but him at center is probably below the threshold of what you can do to win a championship so you have to get creative and so the question is is he doomed in that oh you just can't put anybody next to him or you need like Giannis next to him at power forward to make up for him something like that yeah or does this crazy thing work where the whole league is zigging and they're going to zag and have these two big guys who are going to just murder the offensive rebounds they're going to defensively they're going to own the defensive glass and they'll be vulnerable in certain situations but they'll be so big and by the way Anthony one blueprint for this 
model is the Los Angeles Lakers, the mm-hmm. Bubble Lakers. Like they had a, I mean, they had LeBron James, so it was a little bit different, but they had some version of this where they put two bigs out there and it caused problems for teams that weren't quite skilled enough out on the perimeter to take advantage of them. Now, they didn't really run into a team that, that presented yeah. that in that bubble run. So maybe that proof of concept isn't exactly airtight, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. Like maybe there is something too. If you get bigs, who are unique and Anthony Davis is obviously like very offensive, especially very, that AD. That like AD the, made it, it bubble, bubble AD yeah. was ridiculous. <laughs> bubble AD is a top three player all time. So yeah. you have you have Anthony Davis, who's just a mismatch anyway. You have Carl Anthony Towns, that's a mismatch anyway. It takes that kind of talent to be to try this. I honestly think it's going to work. I don't know if it's going to work championship level good, but I think it's going to like. There's going to be good teams that look terrible against the Timberwolves. I like that. We're having teams try shit like that. Like I, I really, I, I really like that. You know, because one of the things that I feel like we've been missing as organizations and teams have figured out the sport is there. We aren't getting the cross matchups. We aren't getting the 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 the, the, the styles that make fights. We just kind of, all right. This this last playoffs I thought was the nth degree bad example of this, where what it always seemed to come down to was who's making your threes which team's role player is making their threes. And, and I think if you, if, if, if a team like Minnesota succeeds, we've seen the Lakers, like you just talk about, um, succeed at that level. If we get enough teams trying different stuff and succeeding with different stuff, maybe we, we move away from some of the, 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 I guess, cookie cutter formats that we're seeing. Right. Right. And I honestly think that's part of what it is. And with Minnesota specifically, I, a lot of people looked at this as like, it's so all in. I honestly don't view it that way. I, you can pivot out away. Those players are going to have value, I think, for the next couple of years. So if it doesn't work, you pivot out and you get some assets back or you get a different player back. But to me, it, it is a worthy experiment, a worthwhile experiment. I'm glad it's not my team. I don't know. That, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. I don't Do know how fun they'll be to watch. <laughs> well, I have to be, I have to be perfectly honest. I am not an unbiased observer of the NBA. I try to check my bias. I try to understand. I think it's more yeah. important to know your bias than to pretend you don't have one. And it's even worse, I think, to actually not have one. Cause then it's like, you yeah. have this weird dis- detachment from, from, yeah. from the thing you're covering. But I have a bias. I don't really like Carl Anthony Towns. I don't really like Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. I think the when we talk about all the basketball of this, I actually think people are underestimating the basketball aspect of it. But I wonder if people, to me, those guys have not been the toughest guys in the NBA in their tenure, Rudy Gobert yeah. and Carl Anthony Towns. And that's the thing I wonder. I do think there's a maturation going on with Carl Anthony Towns specifically right now. I'm kind of, in a weird way, I'm almost rooting for him, even though he's in the Nuggets' division or whatever. Like, I, I, there's a, a part of me that's really like drawn to like, I hope he figures it out. But those two guys, the more I cover the NBA and the more I cover this Nuggets team, which I think is a very good team, I realize how important those characters, those like character traits are. Yeah. The togetherness, the discipline, the uh, toughness, mental and physical toughness, all of those things. And to me, that's one of the things that makes me believe in Denver is I've just seen them go through these steps and get beat up and keep coming back stronger and all this different stuff. In Minnesota, with Carlton Town specifically, I haven't quite seen that. And that's what I'm curious to see is Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, two guys I've seen kind of shrivel under the pressure in the past. Can do they have can they gain that toughness? Well, I, I think experience is how you gain that toughness. And to this point, their experiences is like 
you know, we're, we're watching the, the, the same kind of song, the same movie over and over and over again with when they go through those experiences. And I don't know, I, I, maybe, maybe they just hear about it enough that they, that they grow or whatever, but I don't, I don't necessarily I don't think know. Experience, I don't think it's just experience. Like it's just time. I don't think it's that some guys well, but you break have to, that way and some guys don't. I feel, I feel like though, like it, time helps, you know, <laughs> over time, think, you hope that you go through some of that stuff, but I don't know. I don't know that like you could just, all right, in five years, I'm going to be better enough to go through this. I, Carl Anthony Towns of all NBA players has dealt with enough stuff away from the court that like you would think that that those those life hitting him the way that it has might might get him ready for that stuff. But it, sometimes it just takes reps. Yeah, I mean, certainly like reps can help with this or that. But what I'm saying is there's some people that go through this league and don't look in the mirror like, why did I fail? Well, somebody else's fault. My team was this or that or they've built up a sort of self-protection, a psychological self-protection where you never actually have to look in the mirror. I always think about Dirk Nowitzki back in 2006 um, when he goes to the finals and loses. And I don't know if you remember this, that he went to like the darkest place of his life, you know, yeah. having to go to the outback and this or that. And, you know, even he would talk about how much of that was a period of introspection. And again, it just could have broken one of two ways. It could break the way where it's like, you know, you wilt under the pressure, you never kind of bounce back. Or it's one of those things where you kind of like slowly rebuild yourself and, and come back stronger. And my whole point is that from my perspective on the outside, again, I'm not covering the Timberwolves. I'm yeah. just watching from the outside. Carl Anthony Towns had not necessarily looked in the mirror for a lot of these failures that have happened throughout his, his career. And of course, there's been personal turmoil. So maybe that's derailed some of it. But I am some, in a weird way encouraged by... Some of the things he has said and done over the last year, I do feel like there is a moment of turning a new leaf, and now that becomes the interesting story for the Timberwolves. Can two guys who have not been mentally tough enough when it matters most in the past, are they on the track? Are they finally looking in the mirror, teamed up now, and are on the track to kind of take that next step? I think Carl Towns literally just took out a full-page ad to tell yeah, cool. you know tell everybody, all right, get ready. That's I'm, not, I'm trying see, to be. That's, that, it's interesting because I think how you read that letter again tells you tells you how you feel. So Carl Anthony Towns just signed a, a supermax deal, right? Yeah. And this is where he took out the ad, and he was basically saying thank you, and I liked it because he was saying, yes, he was saying I'm locked in, I'm ready to go, this or that. But he was also the point, in my opinion, from reading this was I just got paid 250 million. I feel like I owe you guys yeah. something out of that. Like I just made this money because you guys support me and because everybody comes do, does this. And I thought it was a weird and cool moment of getting it. Like a player that mm -hmm. understands that holy relationship he has with the city of which he is representing. I thought it was a cool ad. I'm I'm optimistic about the way that was phrased and, and just the fact that he did it. I thought it was cool. Yeah. What a perfect segue to talk about the polar opposite of that. And Russell Westbrook, how about that? Like, <laughs> somebody who I'm not positive owns oh. a mirror. Um, but so I, the, the Lakers right now are kind of in this, in this waiting game as it appears that uh, Brooklyn is, is getting ready to maybe trade Kevin Durant and they don't want to make a decision on Kyrie Irving until they, 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 uh, make a decision on Kevin Durant. And and then there are some people who are saying that maybe that doesn't matter as much. All, all, all it comes down to is essentially it looks like the Lakers are looking at two different paths ahead of them. One is you move your stuff in the middle of the pot and you bring back Kyrie Irving. The other, you move your stuff, the same stuff, into the middle of the pot and you wind up with Buddy Heald and, and Miles yeah. Turner. 
And I, I wanted to talk to you about this uh, for a couple of reasons. One, last year, after the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook, I spoke to actually one of your guys, Gerald um, Borgay, who, who covers the Phoenix Suns. And I asked him, after the Lakers traded for, for Russell Westbrook, which version of the Lakers were the Phoenix Suns more nervous about? Was it the one that they've just beaten the playoffs and, uh, you know, benefited from, from AD being hobbled and, and LeBron not being 100% or the version that they might be facing eventually with Russell Westbrook? And I feel like same kind of thing here with the Nuggets. Like if the Nuggets were to match up against the Lakers with Kyrie, how would they feel against that type of team? And how would you compare that to how the matchup would go or how you would feel about the matchup if the Lakers kind of spread out their assets a little bit more and went with Miles Turner and, and Buddy Heald? I think definitely the Buddy Heald Turner version of this team, and in large part because there's diminishing returns on good players. I mean, the Nuggets are facing this right now with Michael Porter. There's other things with Michael Porter. Is he going to be healthy? You know, but there's mm-hmm. diminishing returns on no team really gets the most out of three good offensive players. You just don't. Like, usually somebody ends up having to take a back seat. And naturally, if you ask me who was the third best player of that trio, it would be Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving has got to be like Westbrook. He's not taking a back seat. He's just not. That's not who he is. That's not what Mm -hmm. he does. So to me, if you had those three guys, I still feel like in a playoff series, you could probably force the ball into those other guys' hands and take advantage of other lineups in in different situations. And it, that would leave the Lakers a little bit vulnerable because that supporting cast to me is really bad. There's not a lot of like yeah. gems out there that they're, they're, they're going to be compromised on both ends of the court in some capacity. If How you dare you? Held- the, the Austin Reeves disrespect will not stand, sir. Oh my gosh. The next Caruso. Um, <laughs> then you have uh, with Buddy Hild and Miles Turner. I don't know that the drop off is that bad, especially when you talk about do they better fit into that lower usage role that you kind of yeah. naturally need. And it's like, no question, Buddy Hill, he just, you need a shooter. He's a knockdown shooter. He would make, there's a lot you could do just naturally right there. And then Miles Turner, not the guy that I would pick, that I would be like, hey, Miles Turner, Anthony Davis, that's the perfect duo. But it is like a better fit than, you know, it, it still would work. And, Miles Turner is such a good player. You could turn around and flip him if you needed to. Like, you know, a lot of teams yeah. would probably want a Miles Turner. So to me, that would that would probably be more in line with the play. To be honest with you, though, LeBron and AD is the team. The failure of the Lakers has been building around those guys. This idea <laughs> that you need a big three. I almost feel like the phrase big three has ruined some teams' building because they're like, yeah. you need a big three. You need a big – no, you don't. You don't need a big three. <laughs> it's It's maddening, honestly, that the Lakers won a championship with a big two. Yeah, And then immediately, just like you just talked about a second ago, every time I hear people say, yeah, the, the potential proof of concept of the Minnesota Timberwolves going super big was the Lakers. It's like, yeah, the Lakers took that proof of concept and threw it in the garbage. Right. <laughs> like just imme- immediately ran away from it. And right. and so like it, it makes it even more difficult when people start doing the whole like a Disney and, and the, the, the Disney World Championship and the Disney rings and stuff like that. Part of me is like, yeah, is Polinka out there thinking that? Because the, the he... Lakers drink their own Kool-Aid. <laughs> Honestly, the the Lakers in the post-Jerry Buss era really drink their own Kool-Aid a little too much. And yeah. they, we saw this a little bit with Lonzo Ball, who I love. This is not Lonzo slander, but this idea of like he's an L.A. guy. It was spoke like the Hollywood story. Like this is who we are. And it's like, yeah, he's a point guard player. and magic is being a magic, point guard. And he's going to yeah. draft a point guard. All of this. And then I think there's a little bit of that with Westbrook of like, hey, he's an MVP and he's, you mm-hmm. know, an LA guy. And like, oh, this is too perfect. It's like, hey, pause for a second. 
Does it make sense though? No, it does not. <laughs> Outside of those cool storylines and the cool headline, yeah. no, it does not. So, and also, it's funny because the Lakers of the eighties, the the eighties was just obviously a different. Like teams were were still making compromise trades and 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 making really. It wasn't there weren't as many brains behind the operation yeah. as there are today. It's a more nuanced, It's not as competitive. It wasn't as competitive as it is now. It's insane. There just, just were like ownerships that, you know, were so compromised they had to sell their best player for no money just because they needed to pay rent and stuff in a way that's not happening now. Like that's, yeah. you, you can't call up right now the Oklahoma City Thunder and say, hey, I know you're going to get evicted unless you give us Shea Gilgis Alexander for a future second rounder. Like, like you could do in the 80s. So my point is, I do think- Although- so- <laughs> That's essentially what the Bulls just did with Alex Caruso. Like they, they <laughs> the, the Lakers didn't think they'd be able to keep the lights on if they kept point. Caruso. But this is my point: is the, the Alex Carusos are so valuable. They were back then too, but they're so valuable now. And little tiny mistakes can derail anybody, including the Lakers. And I think the Lakers have operated over the last five to ten years as star. We're a stars. We need stars. We don't need Carusos. We need Westbrooks. And it's like, no, yeah. you actually need like six Caruso's, not one Westbrook. No, I, I think it even extends beyond with the with that the issues of caring more about story rather than productivity, right? The sure. the Lakers, when Genie Bus took over, there was no hiring process. They went and got Magic Johnson. And then when Magic Johnson right. was a disaster. Again, yes, exactly. Because again, that's a storybook thing, yeah. right? That's our right. guy. Like there's right. a magic to us. And then that- and then Magic was such a disaster. He stepped down to tweet more and instead of again, opening up a hiring process and, and, and going out and operating like a business, uh, they kept Kobe's agent and it's the last tie back to Kobe. And what if Kobe's agent was able to, to figure this out? And for a little while, it looked like he was able to right? they did win that championship there. But then again, it's like those cracks in the process really kind of get showcased over the, with, with, consistent pressure as we see in the NBA and that poor process that led to bringing in magic and then bringing in or keeping Palinka rather than going out and getting a Bob Myers or going out and getting a Masai Ujiri. Like eventually it just, you know, you talk about Adam, I don't know if you and I could have made as crazy a mistakes as the Lakers have. If you and I were handed the keys to the Lakers, I feel like we'd have done a better job over the last couple of years than, than Polinka has since yeah. the championship. Like, it's just, it's wild to go from, hey, we just won a championship. We have all, you know, we have some cap flexibility. We have a bunch of guys on, on likable contracts and movable contracts. If we do feel like condensing the roster and, 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 and bringing in a third best player or whatever, uh, it, to go from that to now, well, we sure hope Wenyan Gabriel takes a step right, forward this right, year. It's, right. it's insane. Yeah, you need that development at all. You just you, the whole organization has to be tip top in today's NBA, or you have to get extremely lucky. But I do feel like it's more competitive now. I mean, I'll tell you what. Here's an interesting thing: the Bus family is not that wealthy now. They do make a lot of money because the Lakers are extremely profitable. But we are in this weird era, and I know this because of like you know the Cronkies are obviously the owners here in in Denver. By the way, on a heater, Los Angeles Rams, yeah, wild, Colorado <laughs> Avalanche, like <laughs> all teams are doing a little pretty well right now. So. Maybe their story is changing a little bit, but the, for the longest, it was, are they going to go into the tax? They went 11 years or something like that without going into the tax. They didn't have very good teams, but nonetheless, they didn't go into the tax. Now they're in the tax like $17 million. And you think like, oh man, that's a lot. 
Yes, it is by six years ago standard. But now you've got the Lakeups or Lakeup, who's like a hundred yeah. million into the tax. You've got uh, Balmer, who's like doesn't he's just burning money just to keep warm. <laughs> and yeah. you're thinking we're in this new paradigm where the spending advantage is so ballooned. Like though there's three or four owners who are so much richer than everyone else that yeah. should they choose to, they can just dwarf everybody else's expenditures, even the Lakers. And that's yeah. kind of that's one thing that's. We'll see how it evolves. It'll take time for that to really take hold. But I'm curious slash nervous that Ballmer's going to spend $10 billion over the next decade for no reason <laughs> other than just to get a marginal advantage and it might work out. That'd be so perfectly Clippers to just outspend everybody tenfold and walk away with one division championship or something Oof. like that. <laughs> but but no, I mean, you, you talk about like the Bus family's wealth and Jeannie Bus's wealth. LeBron is worth twice as much as she is. Really? Like, yes, LeBron's a billionaire. She's worth about like five, 600 mil. It's, it's kind of uh, crazy. Because of the uh, split in the trust. Like that, that's why. Yeah. 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 And she, there is no outside business there and, and, right. and all of those things. So, and it's also been funny too, as, as you know, uh, Lakeup is talking about the, how, how uh, penalizing luxury taxes are and, and how it's an unfair system and all of these things. And then meanwhile, you have the, other billionaires who own the uh, these other teams that are talking about the wealth gap it's just amazing yeah. just like the lack of self <laughs> self-awareness as these people complain about a lack of of a tax system or, or needing uh, a a a wealth distribution system better than the world that's currently you know has. Funny though, Anthony, amazing. i never think about the like ethics of it for that in in sport i always think about just the like i want the product to be its best that's yeah. the only thing i care about and i do look at the money has ballooned so much that there is this idea, and we're going to see this in the NFL, by the way, too. A, a, a Walmart heir just bought the Broncos, and he has seventy million dollars to just spend mm -hmm. way more than he need. He only need a one or two billion dollars really to be an owner, but he's got seventy. Yeah, uh, and same with Balmer, where the money is so ballooned that I don't know how you legislate fairness into it because you have these huge penalties that make sense for twenty six out of the thirty owners, but you got these three or four that are like, oh. I have to pay three dollars for every luxury tax dollar. That's nothing. Like I don't. Oh my. Oh no. My luxury tax bill is a hundred million. Like right. I don't care. Well, especially especially while they like it's not just that Lakeup is worth that amount of money, but the Warriors generate that amount of revenue. Yeah. You know they they have their own building. They they you know eventually they're going to get their own local TV deal. That's going to be kind of crazy because of all the winning they have done uh, while Steph has been there. Like you. Yeah, on top of Lakeup and and you know Bombers Bombers like this too. The Dodgers are like this in baseball where they're the best team in the sport right now other than the Yankees and they have a shot at bringing in Juan Soto for some reason. Like they don't they they clearly don't need him offensively or whatever, but it's like yeah, that seems like fun. We can go do that. And and yeah, I think I think for a long time I was more of the opinion that it, and I still kind of hold the opinion that I don't think you can you can legislate parity, especially when there is such wealth gaps at the very top of these organizations. I just don't know if the, if anything can be done. And everything that you try to do is probably just going to make it that much more to like the Supermax when they when they when they implemented that people thought, OK, yeah, it's going to be these guys are going to sign their. 200 300 million dollar contracts and that's going to be enough to keep them in their cities but no what they've done is we're going to sign those giant contracts and immediately look elsewhere find other situations elsewhere and the supermax has been a disaster i don't even know how these next cba negotiations are going to go because 
we have no idea what everybody's going to value. <laughs> the, the thing that's annoying is this has been the, the thing that's annoyed me about the Lakers and their relationship to the NBA is that they are so popular in part, not wholly, but in part because the NBA has prioritized them. And it's the mm. same with the Warriors. Like when Lacob says it's not fair, what's not fair is that the Warriors are promoted as the face of the league and then they become exponentially more popular because of that, become mm. even better, get more money to spend, become even more popular and it's this feedback loop and then you look around and say why do we have to share our money like get out of here man like the the yeah. the inability for these glamour markets not necessarily large but glamour markets to realize how they have become glamour markets again in part not solely they built Jerry Buss did a phenomenal job of seeing the future and understanding where this was going and how to market his team like that he deserves the credit for it but then it becomes a thing that just starts working on its own and the NBA working on its behalf. And now we're seeing that for the Warriors. Over the last 10 years, the Warriors did a great job of making themselves popular. The NBA has taken it from there and made sure that they're not just popular, but the most popular team in every single city in America. So yeah. it, it's, a, in my opinion, a problem of the NBA for how it markets itself. And it's one of the reasons we get into these feedback loops of these long-term dynasties that probably shouldn't be as comfortably um that shouldn't last as long as comfortably as they do hey i i know you can't wait for the jalen brunson mvp candidacy just because he plays for the next <laughs> it's gonna See, be that, incredible. i don't think that's happening i don't think that's gonna happen <laughs> um all right i want to finish on some more nugget stuff and uh i've i've been one of the mostly because i had a podcast with you for for like four years and and listen to you talk about Jokic the way that you did for those four years but I have believed in the Nuggets Nuggets for about as long and about as loudly as, as just about anybody who isn't in that market. And once again this year, I think we find that, that they are pretty well undervalued on, on you know in the, in the betting market and all these things. Jokic is a two-time MVP. Uh, they're getting back Jamal Murray, getting back Michael Porter Jr. Um, I actually, it, even though I was a little iffy about their offseason at the beginning of it, I actually like their offseason. I think KCP fits more what they need out of that position better than uh, Barton did, even though I think they're they're really going to miss Barton's presence in the locker room. But but where do, what's, what are you setting your expectations at? What's I, I think championship is on the table for them, but but what's your spectrum for, for capabilities here? They're arguably the most mysterious team in the NBA just because the health factor. Like you could say the Clippers too. Um, the Nuggets fully healthy, I think, are – a true title contender. I think they're yeah. one of the four best teams in the NBA. I really believe that. And we mm -hmm. haven't seen it because it's been two years since they've been healthy. The question of their health is really the question you're asking. You know, are they going to be healthy? I have no idea. Michael Porter's coming off a third back surgery. That's un we're on uncharted territory. Yeah. Um, from talking to him and, and, and just whatever commentary he's had, Phil, you know, always says he feels great. He's not, he's not one of these guys that's like fretting over or walking funny or whatever. Like I saw him at summer league. He looks like a, a Greek God. He yeah. looks incredible. And I've talked to some doctors, by the way, who have performed this exact back surgery and have specifically on professional athletes. And they talk about, Hey, there's people that have gone through this who have bounced back and had the, 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 the concern is usually about the longevity of Michael's career, not about his ability to have a high peak. Yeah. And even Michael Porter once went on J.J. Reddick's podcast, this was not that long ago, and said, because of my back history, I'm probably going to have to retire at 30, 31, maybe 32, mm -hmm. which is not very long. Like, that's six years yeah. from now, basically, for him, seven years um, or less. 
And I think that's the thing that I, I, I think is more likely. But the question of will he get through, he's been in the league for four years. He's completely missed two of those. Yeah. But he played almost all of the other two. People have this vision of him where he's in, he's out, he's in. It's not the case. He actually yeah. played pretty He's either there or he's not. Yeah. So um, so I don't know. It really comes down to him. Murray, ACL, we've seen players do it. it. It'll be by the time the playoffs start next year, it'll be two years. I think he'll be 100%. But Michael Porter is the one that gets him over the hump, in my opinion, and he's just such an X factor. Are you excited that Jokic probably won't be an MVP candidate candidate this year? Um, no, only because you know this, like I hate, <laughs> I hate the MVP. Here's my big theory. Actually, I'll take you back just why I hate it. I actually think the NBA only knows how to what, tell one story about itself yeah. in NBA media. And that is who is the goat. It's the only story. And when you don't have one, like LeBron gave us 15 years of goat conversation because he came in in 2003 and it was clear he was going to be one of the best. It was just a matter. So we could talk about, is he the best? Oh, it's his sophomore year. Is he better than Jordan in his sophomore year? We yeah. could tell the story, and it fed the entire conversation. That was the core of the NBA story for 15, 16 years. Now that he's over the hump, I don't think anybody's talking about Luka that way or Giannis that way. They might eventually, but it's just they weren't like LeBron where it was a built-in narrative. Yeah. And because of that, we've had to pivot to who is the greatest of right now <laughs> instead of like, who's the goat? <laughs> this is not the story. This is not what team is the best. This is not all the other storylines that are interesting. It's who is the best singular player. And we have to analyze it day by day, week by week, sometimes quarter by quarter. And I'm not kidding you about this, by the way, there are yeah. times when a player will be in a playoffs or in a big game, like nuggets, Jokic, uh, 76ers nuggets, two weeks left in the season, Jokic and beat MVP candidates. I'm not kidding. Embiid won the MVP in the first quarter, lost <laughs> it in the fourth quarter. And I'm sitting here thinking, what the hell are we doing, guys? This is one of 82. This is a quarter <laughs> of basketball. Like, what? But it's the only story the NBA knows to tell. So I'm excited because I agree with you. I don't think Jokic can win it. But I'm more looking forward to the, the chance that the Nuggets are the one seed, have a top five or six, seven defense. Uh, Jokic is averaging a triple-double and having a career year. And everyone's just like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't want to give it to him. Well, it's it's so funny because like last year, I feel like I feel like we just kind of ignored the qualifiers. Like if Murray was healthy, yeah, and Jokic had the season that he had, the Nuggets would have been a significantly better team, right? Like, like I, I what what I uh, seed did two, they finish? Here's the, here's the dumb thing, Anthony. I think they had two more losses than the 76ers. So this whole idea of like six seed versus three seed, like no, that's what I mean. It's like like, it, but the only reason they were the six seed is because Murray wasn't there, and then the only reason right. that, but and, it sounds and, like six seed. It sounds like oh my god, how far back? Right, were you? two games. Right, like, yeah, you know, like barely the six seed, and this is an insane West. No, I, what I mean is that like we, you know, for. Nuggets fans who wanted Jokic to win, you know, didn't want to, didn't, I don't think, wanted to acknowledge that, you know, Murray not being there improves Jokic's chances at winning the championship. Because if he keeps that team afloat without Murray, without Porter there, that's a really difficult yeah. thing to overlook. And I think with, with Sixers fans, it's like they, they like oddly wanted Murray to get healthy. So that that wouldn't be the right, narrative right. surrounding the conversation. And all the while, all this while this is going on, we had this really cool throwback where 
for the first time in a really long time, the center of the NBA conversation was the center position. And rather than like talk about this, the, the evolution of the sport potentially coming full circle where we have thought, Hey, did they, did they go too far with the rule changes and getting away from hand checking to make it too easy for, for players like Steph and Dame to dominate because anytime they get touched, they get, they get free throws. Like as we, uh, instead of like examining the league and the, and, and the evolution of it right. in real time, as it's happening, we're sitting here screaming at, oh, Embiid went 13 for 19 and, and Jokic went 14 for 20. What does that mean between the two right, of them? It's like, right. what are we doing here? Yeah, what, what it doing? just seems like a, a waste of energy. I, do you remember when Kobe and LeBron were supposed to face off and they never did? Like it was almost yeah. tragic and that they just kept missing each other. Yeah, stupid Dwight like Howard the and the steroid magic. Yeah. <laughs> I do feel like the NBA could almost, again, I, there's so many stories. I don't want them to get set on one, but I do wish there was like an excitement for an Embiid Jokic finals, which is a possibility, right? Like that would be yeah. a cool thing that we would, I wish the NBA was interested in they're just not and i would it would be a cool storyline if you were like man wouldn't it be crazy if Embiid and Jokic matched up with each other right now if you told people would you want a 76ers nuggets finals they'd probably be like i don't want that yeah but you're like why not the two best centers two of generation going at each other that's like great that's a great yeah. storyline it's the it's the mvp and the runner-up to mvp going off setting right. like it, it the nfl i always kind of wonder if the nfl watches the in, the way that the nba is is marketed and just laughs at yeah these guys are never catching us like this is just they just have no idea how, think about how wide open the league was last year right it could it, the warriors they, they they were fine but i don't think they're some incredible champion i don't look at them as is impossible to topple um heading into this upcoming season uh, the Bucks won a championship the year prior, but then they lost PJ Tucker, so they got kind of worse as Giannis continues to 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 move up the rankings. Phoenix had an insane regular season. You would think that's the team that should be the going away favorites, uh, but they have Chris Paul, so like that's you know you never really know how that's going to play out in the postseason. So it's just like I, I this is I would imagine the type of league that should be easiest to market, but because of the stuff that you just talked about a little while ago, where, yeah, if it isn't the Lakers, if it isn't the Knicks, if it isn't the Warriors, we just don't know how to talk about it. I think about this is a weird abstract, but I think sometimes about how in the NFL, the studio show is before the game. It sets the stage and then the game is the main event in the NBA. The game happens and then the studio show. And it's a Mm -hmm. weird thing to me because it's almost framing what happened afterwards then trying to write the narrative for it where I j- it's just a weird thing about what is the main event in the nba versus the nfl and in the nfl it's unquestionably the game you build up towards it and the game is the crescendo in the nba you almost build up towards Ch- charles barkley in the studio show and they're going to just go to the narratives and play the narratives well they might not have to worry about the charles barkley aspect of that anymore He's, I love Charles, by the way. There's not a knock on him. I love Charles Barkley. No, me I, too. I, but you know, I, would, I, I wonder sure how different the conversation about the NBA is without Charles in it, though. Like, I so think it'd be way worse. I think it'd be way worse. We'd be. I think it would be way less entertaining. But I, 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 I think we, we would. I, what I would like to get to, and this is where I get kind of frustrated with Draymond sometimes, is he goes on and on and on about like new media, new media, new media. But then, like with so many of the the members of the new media, the the Perkins, the the Reddicks, the Reddick is a little is lesser not a like new this. Media to him, first of all, he, it's an abstract concept. But Perkins is an old media, right? But well, but I, I guess what I would like to get to a point is 
have these former players celebrate the current players. Like you, right. you, you listen to, you listen to Romo. Versa, you, yeah. Well, but I think, I think, you know, when you talk about the framing of the NBA or the framing of the NFL and how the, the game is the thing, the game, the, the main thing is still the main thing in the NFL. And it's because, you know, the, the, the production of this main thing, if, Troy Aikman got out there or Tony Romo got out there and just spoke in like cliched narratives the whole time, it wouldn't be as good a product, but like there's this expectation with those guys. We need you, Chris Collinsworth. We need you as it's happening to break down the sport that the, the fans watching it can't even see like a third of it. We can't see the well, secondary. We're not paying attention here, to the line. You'll, I think you and your audience will like this. And I've said, I said it before. I don't think I've said it on your show though, but it's one of my core beliefs. I think the Jokic conversation would be so different if Kobe were still alive. Because yeah. I think, and he never he would talked have been so freaking good at this. He never talked about this, but he seemed to have a spot for Jokic in his heart. And if you remember, he only made two predictions for MVP. It was Giannis, and he was right about it. And it was Jokic, and he was right about it. And that was it. He never made one beyond that. And those two guys each won two. And then they went. And we know that Kobe spending growing up in Europe had an appreciation for the various types of way the game can be played. Yeah. It wasn't that he was pro-European player this or that. Like, he took a little bit from everything, but he was yeah. just loved the game, and he saw it. And there's this weird pushback right now amongst... His uh, love of soccer, too. Like, he just... Soccer, see, too. But I think specifically just looking at... I think he had an appreciation and an understanding of how to bridge the gap between this new wave of European players, which is not going anywhere, by the way, and... No, Wimbledon is like a, a year away, <laughs> and, and like even African markets, like a, a, they're they're opening up their new prospects that are being put in in better pipelines of development, and this or that. And it's just going to become the the American foothold on on basketball. I think is going to get a little bit smaller. It's not going to go away. It's still going to be huge, but it's going to get. They're going to have to share it with all these other people. And I think Kobe not only saw that but appreciated it, and would have been a person who bridged the gap to the Lukas, the Jokic's, and the Giannis. Three guys that, for whatever reason, are just so polarizing in today's NBA. And I think, I honestly think they would be less polarizing if Kobe was here because I think he would have articulated it, but also acted as a sort of ambassador, like unofficial ambassador for the game of basketball that said, No, guys, this is cool. This is actually awesome. Like, <laughs> I love this. Why don't you love this? Look how weird this is. These guys are so Giannis, seven foot. Like, what is he? He doesn't even have a position. And yeah. Luca, oh my God, six eight. He's two inches taller than uh michael jordan was but yet he plays point i just think he would have bridged that gap in a way that would that i, I we don't know what we were, were missing out on well kobe you know famously turned down espn wanted him on their studio show he they asked him hey can you sit in on on espn nba today or whatever it was and he said no i would rather do i would rather do detail i would rather right. break down the game in this very different way where i get a full block of time to 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 inspect this aspect of the game and teach this aspect of the game in ways that we are still just really lacking. We we get Steven Legler on at like midnight Eastern <laughs> after yeah. after the games have been played and he he breaks down the game, but nobody's watching at that time. So it was great to have Kobe there, but then you know unfortunately we didn't we didn't but, get any more of it. But here's the thing that he saw there. I think it's impossible to do a good job when you were doing it in the way that you're talking about NBA today, every day yeah. on the hour, whatever the jump inevitably that breeds bad takes. And we know this. we do shows all year round, 
the off season, if you're not careful, I'm great every single day. How well, dare saying, you? If you're not careful, <laughs> you can venture into hot yeah. cake, you know, this player, you can get sucked into that, that kind of thing. And it's funny. You were talking about Draymond Green earlier. Draymond breaking down the playoffs, loved it. Thought it was great. There was some good stuff. There's some stuff I didn't love, but there was a lot of stuff that I was like, yeah. only he could do this and only in this moment. But guess what he's talking about over the weekend? 96 Bulls versus 2017 Warriors. The same guy. New media. This is why This is why Kobe didn't want to do the studio show. He's like, inevitably, I'll be sucked into doing that. I'm not doing a show every day. I'm not doing one every week. I'll do them when I feel inspired to do one. Yeah. And, and find it. and find players to that inspired him. And and, and right. I thought it was it was so it's so only in basketball do you get a, a chubby seven foot white dude inspiring Kobe Bryant. One of the, one of the, <laughs> it's so perfect. I wish it's it, it really sucks because Jokic obviously has taken off over in the last three years. I mean two MVPs and and he's just played his best basketball. And I really it is a, a thing where I I think all the time about it. He clearly saw something in him the few times he has talked about Jokic they've been like oh I could tell he has a special you know he kind of he's got his eye on him you know that's yeah. a guy he's, he's intrigued by and I just wish I knew what he thought of these last two years of, of of Yoke well I wonder I wonder how much of that also you know was was Kobe not being as immersed in AAU culture as 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 oh, so, so much some of these so some of these other guys are because there is like you talked you I want to make sure that everybody, because you mentioned the polarization with these athletes, with with right. Giannis, with Jokic, with Luka, that when they win stuff, you don't really see NBA players tweeting out, "Congrats, so and so for for right. this award right. or whatever." And yeah. and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they didn't grow up playing against the, right. those players, and they don't they don't know there isn't the the that camaraderie in the, in the same way. And and uh, you know, there's some other stuff I think mixed in there as well. But I I, I think. Uh, overall, I think Kobe growing up in Europe and, and having that type of love for that type of like, there's a reason him and Pau just immediately like right. Pau was on the team of that day looked immediately like they'd been playing together their entire careers totally. and, you know, spoke the different languages to him and all that stuff. And I, yeah, I, I, it is too bad that he isn't here to break down Jokic and Luca and Giannis, and then eventually and, and, uh, and Victor Wembanyama. Like nobody in the media has done a good job of delivering Giannis and Luca and Jokic to to the masses in what I think is the you know in the right way. Like they're obviously good players. I'm not saying like nobody ever talks about. It. I'm not going there. I'm just saying this way of saying like, hey, these guys are an important part of the league right now. Yeah. And here's why that's interesting. And and whether you love him or hate him, here's why this is a good thing. Framing the conversation in the, in that way. And I just think you would have done a good job. And by the way, just to clarify. Because I don't think this is a thing where I'm like AAU bad. You're no, no, no. Soviet style training. Good. Yeah, they're just different, and there's yeah. different pluses and minuses to both of them. And I think Kobe is a guy who's kind of immersed in both. You know, being having he's you know, like a perfect running. combination. It's yeah. a perfect combination. He sees both, and I think appreciate. He was one of the weird, rare examples of somebody that got to see both and appreciated both, and, and took from both, and then be, obviously became one of the all time greats because of it. So that I, that's why I say bridge the gap, not run in favor of one or the other. Yeah. Just kind of like bringing the sides together and saying, hey, if you're a basketball fan, you have heroes and villains, guys you root for and don't. But if you love basketball, you probably appreciate all of these dudes. Yeah, it's why I get so annoyed when, you know, Luke has been around long enough. You should be able to pronounce Doncic. Doncic. Oh, know. I know, of course. You, you should you should be able to pronounce Jokic. You yeah, should be able to pronounce Antetokounmpo. Like, right. <laughs> the, I, I get, there are a few things that infuriate me more listening to people who have giant platforms to talk about the sport yeah. and still don't get that. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. We, nobody, nobody fumbled over Michael Jordan. 
Um, <laughs> it's the same number of same number of symbols as, as syllables as Luka Doncic, but right. for some reason it's we just we just don't seem to get it. Um, all right, bud, I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you very much for hopping on. This is always a blast. Again, like I said at the top, really proud of all the work that you are doing um, in in Denver DNVR. Really cool uh, culture that you guys have have cultivated out there, um, and then now are now uh, spreading your wings across the country. So if you guys want to check it out, DNVR is, is where he covers the Nuggets, uh, also does Locked On Nuggets. Do you still, I, I think you still do Locked On NBA, yeah. right? Um, uh, so, so check out all of his stuff everywhere that you can find it. He's also popping up on the low post, which is really, really cool to, to watch happen and check out as well. So thanks again, Adam, for hopping yeah, it's a on. It's hard left turn from low post to this, Anthony. Wow. He, you know, I, I, I just, I just try to oh, just, you know, I, I have, I had to, I had to like reach out to your agent and it was like, yeah. it's just, it's tough. I, it you, I, tough. I talked about Harrison earlier and he was just like, I, I can't even get a hold of Adam anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Thanks for hopping on.